Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Toward Light podcast. Often at this time of year, with American Thanksgiving happening, there seems to be a bunch of Dharma talks about gratitude. And I've been on retreat often at this time of year in moments where I'm feeling anything but grateful. And to be faced with a deluge of those kinds of talks feels really hard to take those teachings in. So today I want to talk about those moments when the teachings feel inaccessible or we're not feeling particularly quote-unquote Buddhist and what to do in those moments. My teacher, Matthew Brensilver, had a talk several years ago entitled, When Nothing Works, and this is my version of that talk. Maybe it's a moment when we're filled with a lot of anger, or maybe our meditation practice feels stale or difficult. Maybe we're just having a lot of doubt. I know I shared this in the first episode, but the reason that this podcast is named Toward Light is because of the Tamanata Sutta where the Buddha teaches about four types of people, those moving from darkness to darkness, those moving from darkness to light, those moving from light to darkness, and those moving from light to light. When I first heard that teaching, I was on a retreat and was consumed by anger and doubt. And the teacher reminded us that all of us on that retreat were moving toward light just by being there, even if it didn't feel that way. And that gave me a lot of relief. And all of you listening to this podcast right now, choosing to spend some minutes of your day immersed in the Dharma, that's an action that is moving toward light, even if you don't feel it in this moment. Or maybe you do. Who knows? Our negativity bias is always trying to keep us safe by pointing out the difficulties and the dangers surrounding us so that we can survive. So our mind is trained to be scanning and seeking out the threats, the dangers. And right now, it feels like there's a lot that the mind can be pointing to. This pandemic, the U.S. political climate, the state-sanctioned violence against BIPOC citizens, the turn toward winter, a different holiday season than we're used to. So if that's what our mind is trained on, and we're trying to take in teachings about gratitude or love or patience or whatever, it can feel difficult. Due to the negativity bias, we do need to actively be cultivating the opposite, be cultivating generosity, gratitude, love, kindness, etc. But sometimes it feels hard to hear that. I'd like to share this story from his book, Don't Worry, Be Grumpy by Ajahn Brahm. In today's world, if you are not happy, then some assume that there must be something very wrong with you. You need therapy. You may be encouraged to visit a happiness clinic. Some companies even have a chief happiness officer to rid their staff of the perceived problem. Happiness is the must-have commodity of the modern age. Soon there will be fines for those who dishearten others by being unhappy in public and jail terms for those serial offenders who are persistently miserable. Recently, when I was teaching a retreat in a beautiful surrounding with very delicious food, a young woman confessed to me that she felt grumpy for no reason. I know I should not be unhappy because I am upsetting everybody else, 
but I can't help it. I just feel miserable, admitted the girl guiltily. So I went to my office and quickly composed and printed out the following grumpy license. Grumpy license. This document officially grants to the bearer a perpetual right to be grumpy for any reason or no reason at all, without let or hindrance. Let no one infringe this right. Signed, Ajahn Brahm. When I handed her the license to be grumpy, she started laughing. You are missing the point, I protested. I love that story. I love that reminder that we have permission on this path to be grumpy or happy or whatever. Permission to be with whatever is arising exactly as it is. There are times when I've struggled with this in Buddhism. I've tried to take on the identity of being a quote-unquote good Buddhist and categorize certain behaviors of mine or ways of being as acceptable and others as not. Some ways that this has shown up in my life. There are some times when I've stifled my voice or not been honest because I was too worried or focused about being nice. Not remembering that there's also this other key part of the teachings about honesty, but focusing on the niceness. Another thing I did is I spent years trying to wrestle with the idea that I could be partnered or married and deeply committed to the Dharma because monastics are not and because many of my teachers are not partnered or talking about it in a Dharmic context. So I I was shaming myself for having a desire to be partnered because I felt like I would be a better Buddhist if I didn't want that. And sometimes in conversation with other Buddhist folks, I haven't shared my love of Instagram or TV or the fact that I eat some animal protein because I don't want to be judged. So I've forgotten that this path is based on being present with what is arising, whatever that is, and I've tried to craft it into an identity. And that's when I can get in this sort of stuck, uncomfortable place where it's hard for the teachings to come in because I'm so wrapped up in identity, which is actually not a part of the teachings. One of the reasons I share so much of my life and my experiences on this podcast is because I want to normalize the wholeness of the experience of living on a spiritual path. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. There is no standard of perfection. There is no one way that it looks. And living a spiritual life means wrestling sometimes with periods of doubt, of discomfort, of stuckness. The same retreat where I heard the Temanata Sutta for the first time, someone asked one of the teachers, Catherine McGee, what she's gotten out of her years of practice. And she said something like, it's made her more human. And a little later, she said she felt like that wasn't a you know, good enough or spiritual enough answer. I really appreciated her honesty the simplicity of the answer, the practice is leading her to her humanity, and then the honesty of, and that doesn't feel like enough of an answer or something. I grew up in a Christian church, and there's this standard of sainthood in Christianity, and I think in other traditions there's something similar of a normal person sort of surpassing humanity in some way and being extra special, extra good. And that always felt to me so unattainable. And I love Catherine's answer. I love this idea of living a spiritual path that accepts my humanity and helps me to see and understand who and how I am. If that's what I'm getting out of this path, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. 
Because this early Buddhism that I'm rooted in, Theravada Buddhism, is so rooted in monasticism, some of the standards can feel challenging or unrealistic for lay people. And so I try and be really careful about which teachers I follow. Clearly, I love Ajahn Brahm. He's a monastic. But I do spend the bulk of my time learning from lay teachers, from householders, because I spend too much of my time as it is sort of measuring myself or comparing myself to others. And so if I'm comparing myself to a monastic, I'm never going to measure up. So it really makes sense for me to be surrounded by people on the path who are living the same type of life that I'm living. When I feel far away from Buddhism or like I'm not embodying the path the way I would like or that the teachings aren't landing, here are a few things that have really helped me to have a sliver of hope or faith, whether it's in myself or in the path. If my practice has been feeling stale or difficult, I try and use another technique. So if I've been focused on open awareness mindfulness, I might shift to a concentration practice or a heart practice. I also really find it useful when my practice is feeling stale or dry to listen to some guided meditations, maybe of teachers I know or teachers I don't know, just trying to get some different perspectives. And also sometimes I need that added focus of having the support of the guidance. I also find a lot of benefit from the third foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the mind. Witnessing mental phenomena as they arise and pass away, truly understanding that we have no ownership of them. So the third foundation of mindfulness, we're watching our mind states arise and pass away. We're watching them build and lessen. We're watching when they're present, when they're absent. We're not thinking those thoughts. We're coming at it from a witness perspective. So when I feel detached from the path or like I'm quote unquote not a good Buddhist, I can remember that that is a passing thought. It's not part of my identity. I don't need to identify with it or calcify it. I can let it be knowing it'll change. This can feel hard to truly embrace in the moment sometimes, like the thought or the emotion can feel so permanent. This is why I feel like doing practice with the third foundation is useful regularly because it does help us witness the mind. I mean, we can even do this in mindfulness of the body, right? We can watch bodily sensations arise and pass away. And then we can train ourselves to do this with the mind as well. So even if it's a moment when I'm feeling great and I'm watching my mind states change, that's information that's reminding me. So that then when I am in a difficult moment, and I feel like my mind state isn't changing, I can actually remember that I I know how to do this. I know how to witness the change. And I can see even the subtle changes. So maybe if I'm really, to use Ajahn Brahm's word, grumpy, I can notice, oh, in this moment, like I'm a little bit less grumpy, or in this moment, oh, there's no grumpiness present. Oh, here it's back again. The more that I can witness that and not take it personally, It allows these difficult moments to feel more manageable. The last thing that feels important, so I just was talking about mindfulness of the mind, but sometimes it feels really essential to get out of the head, to get out of the mental part of the path, to get into the physical aspects of the path, action side. So 
Last week, I talked about sila, about ethics. So if I'm really struggling and feeling detached from the path, detached from my practice, I may choose one of the ethical precepts to focus on. I might say I'm going to really focus on cultivating wise speech, or I'm really going to look at how I'm impacting the environment and what I can do to lessen that impact. Taking some action can be really wise and helpful. Another way we can take action is by practicing dana generosity and noticing, oh, is there someone in my neighborhood who needs some support? Or is there a friend having a difficult time I can reach out to? Or can I look into organizations I could be a part of or support in some way that are doing work that is wise and skillful in the world? Taking action sometimes can remind me that I am on this path and I'm walking this path toward freedom. Even if mentally, personally, it feels far away, even doing something as simple as taking my stuff to the recycling center can remind me that I am on the path. I am looking at my impact. I am moving toward light. So if you're feeling stuck, If practice is feeling difficult, if you're noticing a lot of aversion arise, switching up the meditation practice, focusing on the third foundation of mindfulness, and taking wise actions are all steps we can take when it feels like nothing works or when we feel far away from the path. So however you're feeling, however your practice is moving through you, I hope that you can connect with this idea that you are moving toward light. And I am grateful for your commitment to the Dharma, to your practice, to this path. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.